Bringing a cell or gene therapy to market is an art. Hear Veristat thought leaders as they draw on their specialized expertise to offer insight on timely, relevant clinical development topics. Welcome to Art Podcasts, Advancing Revolutionary Therapies, a podcast presented by the Centre of Excellence for Cell and Gene Therapies by Veristat. My name is Rachel Smith. I'm the head of our Centre of Excellence for Cell and Gene Therapies and a Portfolio Director here at Veristat working with our clients in cell and gene therapies, providing operational excellence from strategic consulting right through to clinical trials and post-marketing commitments. Today I'm going to talk to you about administering advanced therapy products to the brain via a method called Convection Enhanced Delivery, or CED for short. CED is a method of administering medicines directly into the brain through a series of catheters connected to a set of pumps through a metal access port fixed to the skull. This method of administration addresses the blood-brain barrier issue we so commonly come across in all areas of neuro and CNS medicine and allows us to target specific areas of the brain. CED is becoming a more frequently used technique in the field of cell and gene therapy, both in the administration of AAV-based gene therapies and in cell-based products. The objective of this podcast today is to present the challenges posed by such a complex product administration route what it means to the patients receiving the treatment, the clinical teams giving the treatment, and the CRO or sponsor managing the trial. Now, I'm going to specifically talk to you today about a case study. This was a phase two clinical trial in ischemic stroke involving the administration of the stem cell product directly to the location of the stroke within the brain. In my earlier podcast, Managing the Logistics of a Clinical Study Scale-Up in Series 1, you may remember me referencing managing an advanced therapy study involving brain surgery well, as promised, this is it. Ischemic stroke is caused by a blockage in the blood vessels of the brain. This disrupts blood flow and the provision of vital oxygen to the impacted areas of the brain. This has an earthquake-like effect, where the blockage is at the epicentre of the stroke and the area most damaged by the stroke. Depending on the severity, time to treatment and other factors, the damage caused by the stroke then radiates out from this epicentre, just like those earthquake maps we see on the news or from school. Most of the time, the epicenter is irreparable, so we focus on repair and recovery of the areas of the brain around the stroke. So a stem cell is a cell with a unique ability to develop into pretty much any specialised cell types in the body. In simple terms, when we place these stem cells in an environment dominated by certain cell types, such as those found in the brain, these stem cells can then develop into those cell types in the implanted area. In ischemic stroke, the idea is that by administering these stem cells to the stroke location directly in the brain, these cells will then replace those lost due to the stroke and result in recovery of some functions, such as regaining lost function in the arms or legs. It was based on these principles that we set out with the sponsor to conduct a phase 2 clinical trial in these patients to test this theory and to ensure this was safe. There were two significant challenges with this trial. The first was patient recruitment. After all, we are talking brain surgery. The second was the cell therapy product logistics. Now, recovery from a stroke can take months before patients can really see any meaningful improvement in their loss functionality. We know that based on preclinical data of pretty much any stroke treatment, the earlier we treat patients post-stroke, the better clinical outcome will be. However, taking part in an advanced therapy trial is a big ask on patients. These treatments are often considered very experimental, they have lifelong impact, 
I like just taking a tablet which can be out of your system in as little as 24 hours, let alone then asking our patients to undergo brain surgery. From a medical standpoint, this is very simple brain surgery. Drilling of burr holes, administration of medicines via cannulas into the brain is a relatively straightforward procedure for a neurosurgeon. But to a patient, it's incredibly daunting, especially when they're still in their recovery curve and are hopeful of full recovery with traditional physio and standard of care. So to be able to recruit to this trial, we really had to find a compromise. Now, these patients are still seeing recovery within six months post-stroke. Um, and our original eligibility criteria was to treat patients within six months. We had to extend our eligibility from six to 12 months post-stroke, as at the six-month point, the recovery curve is really slowing, and the final clinical outcome has a much higher predictability and degree of accuracy. The other critical piece here was really having continuous and open dialogue with the patients. As they come to terms with their post-stroke disabilities, their chances of recovery, as well as spending a lot of time on education around the cell product, surgical procedures, not only with the clinicians and the neurosurgeons, but also the nursing teams as well, to allow patients and their families to really make an informed decision at a time that is comfortable to them. The second challenge was the product logistics. We had multiple parties involved and multiple teams involved in the cell product management. And through dummy runs with the sites, we were really able to fine-tune the processes with each team. The cell management was actually done differently at each hospital site, depending on how they were set up. So the most significant hurdle really within this cell therapy product was the fact that it was cryopreserved or frozen, and therefore had a very short expiry time post-thaw of only 30 minutes. What this means is, once the product is thawed, we have to make sure it's administered to the patient within 30 minutes. And that meant we couldn't start thawing until the patient was fully prepped and in surgery, anaesthetized, a stereotactic frame fitted, which is a frame to allow all the cannulas to be fitted, and their hole locations marked up to drill into the skull. That process in itself can take up to an hour. Once this was complete and the patient was at this stage, the surgical team then had to communicate with the pharmacy and give them the go-ahead to start thawing the cell product. Once thawed, the pharmacy then had to confirm to the surgical team that there were no issues and give the go-ahead to start drilling the burr holes. While the surgeon was drilling these burr holes and aligning the cannula system, the pharmacy team then transported the thawed cell product for handover to the surgical team. The product was then administered by the surgical team into four different sites around the stroke in the brain, each over a five-minute period. So as you can imagine, this, was, this had to be a really well-controlled, practiced process. But for one of our patients, we had a nightmare scenario. The patient was under anaesthetic in the operating theatre when there was a power outage to the hospital. Of course, backup generators did kick in for critical services, so both in the pharmacy and in the theatre. But unfortunately, it did not include internal communication systems between the pharmacy and the theatre because they were in different parts of the hospital. On top of that, the surgery was scheduled on a weekend, but we'd already had our team on standby and on call to step in in case of any issues at all. This was one we weren't expecting. So we stepped in here to really set up a communication relay system involving on-site runners, our team on phones, and to communicate between the surgical and the pharmacy teams. That allowed administration to be completed just on time. And to put it in context, we only had two minutes to spare two minutes until the product expired and we would have to throw it away. 
and this patient would have no chance of, of receiving this cell therapy product. The power did kick back in an hour later, but by that time, the patient was already in the recovery suite. So this is just one example of using CED. And the real take-home messages from this case study are this. Administration of cellogene therapy products via CED is a huge deal to our patients, and we can't underestimate that. So investing time in working with them is absolutely critical. Management of cell and gene therapies is often logistically complex, but we do know that it can increase tenfold when CED methods are included. So train everyone, do dummy runs, and build in plenty of redundancies and contingency plans. Veristat managed clinical trials for the first gene therapy to be approved in the Western world. And as trailblazers, we continue to be actively involved at the cutting edge of the cell and gene field. We encourage you to listen to future episodes of this podcast as we delve deeper into some of these issues and other important topics in this space. I hope this has been valuable to you. Please reach out to our team of experts through the links available on the Verostat website should you have any questions. We'll be back talking to you very soon. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favourite podcast player and look for our other Cell & Gene podcasts at cellandgene.expert.com.